Good morning, Landmark. It's so good to be with you. Uh, I know we didn't expect to be uh, virtual uh, at this point. We certainly didn't even expect that last January. We've been through a lot with this, and we're wanting to do everything we can to keep everybody safe. And so I hope we feel connected today as we share. Uh, I think it's easy for us to admit today that we are undergoing a test. And I don't know about you, but I don't always like tests. Uh, I can remember having a fear of tests. Even after I graduated college, I had this recurring dream for decades that I had a final exam coming up and I didn't know where the classroom was. I hadn't studied, hadn't been in any classes. I'm walking all over campus trying to find it. And uh, you know that terrible dream where you never can get where you want to go. So we, we all have the fears. And uh, yet God, God is in the test giving business. Now, what are tests about? I think that's important for us to establish as we start this lesson. A test is a place that reveals your knowledge and prepares you for more. In other words, when you, you take a test, you, you find out, have you mastered you know, the information and are you ready to move on to the next step or the next grade? We're in Mark chapter 4 today where Jesus gives quite a test and he's been teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And he's wanting to find out how well they're getting it. And they're about to go into a new adventure, a new territory. They will have new challenges. He wants to make sure they're ready. So go with me to Mark chapter 4. And let's watch this story beginning in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciple, let's go over to the other side. Now understand that they're at the Sea of Galilee. It's sort of hard for us to get our mind around that idea of sea because it, to me, the time I've been there, it seems more like a really big lake, about eight miles across. Um, it's problem is it's surrounded by mountains. It's beautiful, but it means that winds can whip through there suddenly and cause a lot of trouble. Uh, I'll never forget a great experience on the Sea of Galilee. We're, we're right in the middle of the boat. It's calm. And all of a sudden, our boat captain, our tour guide leader, starts the song, Sweet Home Alabama, which was pretty sweet right there in the Sea of Galilee. I think he must have wanted some good tips. But it is a beautiful place to go. But it also is very prone to storms. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This is not just your normal storm. The words used here is that this is a, a lilac in the Greek, which is a terrible, terrible storm. So a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now watch this. Verse 38. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Right in the middle of this terrible storm, Jesus is not just nodding. He's not just tired. He's, he's, he's napping. He's got his head on a cushion. He may, he may be snoring. So it says something about the peace of Jesus, doesn't it? The disciples woke him. Can you imagine how they shook him? And said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Come on. I mean, what, what are you doing here sleeping when there's water coming over the side and we're in big time trouble? So Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. It's strong language here. 
Same word used in Mark chapter 1 for Jesus rebuking and casting out a demon. He rebukes the wind. And then look what happens. The wind died down and it was completely calm just immediately. What Jesus has asked for happens in their calm seas. Then look what happens. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And look at their response. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We got bookends here. They're fearful at the beginning. They're even more terrified at the end. You think at the end when Jesus has calmed everything down, they finally would be at a point to go, wow, this is great. Everything's okay. But they're actually terrified. So what's going on here? Jesus is testing his followers. He wants to make sure they know the information and they're ready for the future. And so they have a storm. Really, I, I see three storms going on here. An external storm, and that's all the waves around the boat. The internal storm going on in their hearts as they worry and as they're anxious. And then the spiritual storm. How often does someone say to God, don't you care? I mean, you not care that this is going on with us? You know, it, it's really tough when you're in the middle of a difficult storm and, and you need God's help and he's sleeping on you. And so they're going through all kinds of storms. Now think about us and this coronavirus. I mean, wow, what a storm. Like, like we said earlier, no one last January could have anticipated that we would go through a year unlike any other year, and we're not through. Here we are having to meet virtually again. I know for me, this has been a, a tough storm all the way through, just things not being normal. But it really got tough a week ago Saturday, when I got tested, I thought I had a sinus infection. And finally, we thought, well, we need to go get tested. And so Stephanie and I got tested, and, and we had it. And then that, that, that elevates your fear level, because you hear all the stories of people who have almost no symptoms of people who lose their lives. And then I'm telling you, Sunday was a really rough day, as I began to find out more and more of my family that had this. And, you know, I, I seem to have been the first in this, what some might call a super spreader event we had the weekend before. And you begin to worry about who's infected and who that could affect and what that might happen. And it's a, it's a terrible place to be. And it even leads us to this kind of spiritual storm. God, we've been praying about this virus to go away. We've been praying about this for months. What is the deal here? How can you be sleeping when we're going through such difficulty? Well, God likes to work through tests. And they are tests. That means they're not easy. So let me tell you some things this test reveals here. First of all, followers of Jesus go through storms. All students, whether you're a good student or a bad student, have to take the test. And all of us take this test. It is possible, like the disciples, to be in the will of God and to be in the middle of the storm. Don't dare Listen to any preacher that tells you, if you're really living for Jesus, you're going to have a storm-free life. That is one of the most dangerous doctrines out there. People of God have always had storms in their life. Second, the teacher might get quiet during the test. You've noticed back when you used to take tests in school, the teacher would normally sit at their desk, he or her, and were quiet and just let you do your thing. They might even walk out of the room. And right now, Jesus is willing just to to be quiet, even uncomfortably quiet while they take this test. 
you know, if you had a teacher, I mean, I, I can remember some, you know, pretty weak teachers in, in high school who, who might actually, you know, if a student walked up to them in the middle of the test to their desk, they, they might even give them the answer. Or some student, some teacher is foolish enough to leave some of the answers on the board. But I guarantee you, with those teachers, you didn't learn a lot. And Jesus is a good teacher. So he lets there be some silence. And that brings us to the next point. His, his, Jesus' timing is perfect. Now, I think we've got to all admit, we're in the middle of it right now. It's not our timing. But Jesus wants them to learn what he's trying to teach and to see where they are. Not really for Jesus to see where they are, but for them to know where they are. And then as it comes to the conclusion, Jesus asks questions to make them think. Now, Jesus asked this question, why are you so afraid? You think Jesus knew the answer? Absolutely he knew the answer. Why is he asking it? So they have to think deeper. I mean, this is what any great rabbi teacher did in Jesus' day. They asked a lot of questions. You read through the Gospels. Jesus asked a lot of questions because if someone's always just giving you the answers, you don't grow much. But when you've got to think deep and look deep to answer the questions, then you begin to grow. Then here's the cool thing here. The test reveals Jesus. In the middle of this crazy time, they meet Jesus in a whole new way. Let's be honest. They meet him in a way that was actually frightening to them. They're terrified. Uh, Literally, they're very much afraid. Now, we've seen them pretty much fearful the whole way through. At the beginning of the story, when the waves are beaten and filling the ship, there's a fear of desperation. The fear at the end is the fear of being in awe in the presence of someone unbelievable. They end up knowing they're in the presence of God. I mean, people were very afraid of the sea and sea dragons in ancient days. It was an evil place, especially for Jewish people. And, and for Jesus to calm the storm immediately, I mean, that would communicate something pretty powerful to us. In their day, they knew this was no ordinary man. And so they stop. It's not a fear as in being scared to death. It's a fear of reverent awe. Like, oh my goodness, I don't deserve to be even close to this person with this kind of power. They end up fearing Jesus more than they even feared their problem. Why? Because to this point, it doesn't seem they completely recognize who they were hanging out with. I mean, they knew he was a good fishing buddy. They certainly recognized him as a great rabbi. They'd heard some pretty bold claims. But they hadn't quite put together that not only is he fully human, but he's fully divine. He's human enough to get tired and to sleep on a cushion in the stern. He's divine enough to steal the storm. I mean, this is such a incredible doctrine. He's a son of man and he's a son of God. He's both. Because he's the son of man, he can connect with us. Because he's the son of God, he can connect with God. And so he begins to be the mediator, the, the, the bridge builder, the, the priest between us and God. That's so powerful because he can touch us and he can touch the father. And because of that, Jesus can do what nobody else could do. He could be that perfect human being who could be that perfect sacrifice 
that would bring us together with God. Now you think, didn't they know some of this? Well, they probably did. But they, you ever just have those moments where something comes back to you stronger? You know, I remember first time I started hearing people preach about Jesus. Not just about keeping law, keeping the doctrine straight, but Jesus. And, and I guess what I saw was I was just shocked at the way he treated people who made a lot of mistakes. How forgiving he was, how patient he was, how loving he was. And you know, it, it, you don't just get that in one moment. There's moment after moment after moment. And you keep on learning. And that's what's going on with these guys. You begin to pass the test when you know who he is. If you know the character of God, then you can make it through any storm. So here's what I'm going to call today the, the final exam. Is what Jesus says more impactful than what you see? You see, God's not calling these disciples or us to live in denial. We're not going to be religious fanatics who act like because we follow Jesus, we don't have any problems. We have problems just like anybody else. We have storms in our life. But what he wants us to see is that in the midst of the storm, we have the promises of God. I mean, Jesus, right at the beginning of our story, he said something doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is. Let's go over to the other side. There's a promise implied there. We're going to make it from here to here. And so when they get in the middle of the storm, the, the choice they need to make is to trust Jesus' words more than what they see. That's hard, right? That's why we call it faith. That's why the Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen. You can't see it, but you trust it. See, what God wants is all these wonderful things that we sing about on Sunday, all the amens we give, when we chant, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. That's all awesome. But he wants what we say on Sunday to influence us in the storm on Monday. So we begin to focus on God's word to us even more than on our problem. So I want to give you an assignment here this morning. We're going to do this right now together. Jesus made these guys stop and think. They needed to. We've talked a lot around here about uh, Kairos moments. A Kairos moment is not a chronological moment, but it's a moment in time where a door opens for God to teach you something. It's where God's revealing something to you. And I, I can't imagine that this past year and even where we are today is not a Kairos moment. God is seeking to teach us. And remember, we talked about when you get in the Kairos moment, you make sure that you go around that Kairos circle and you, uh, you reflect on it, you think about it, you talk about it, so that you know what he's saying. And so I want us to look back at what we've been through this morning. Because if any of us were to say this morning we've not had any fear, I'd be shocked. Your faith's probably stronger than mine. But what is God teaching us? What's he revealing to us in the middle of this is what's so important. So here's the question I want to ask you. How is your faith overcoming your fear? 
At the, at the beginning of last year, when everything starts messing up and going crazy. In what ways has your faith grown? Now, I know you could probably tell me a lot of ways that your faith has not been strong enough. But that's not what I want to focus on this morning. I want us to celebrate the good. I want you to celebrate what you did better than you would have. If I had known that we would go through what we were to go through last year, in last January, I would have quickly guessed that I would have um, struggled with depression. Because it, it threw out of kilter so many of the things that makes my life meaningful. But God gave me a word or words that really changed that. He told me that this is not a continuum. This is a new beginning. And that, yes, we're going to experience something like we have never experienced, probably never experienced in our life. But it gives us a, a marker to go, okay, this is the way it was this is what's happened. And now let's start all over again. That's really exciting. So what's God been teaching you? Where is your faith overcome your fear? 334-721-4548 is our text number. I'm going to give you in just a moment, about three minutes, just to text your answer. If you would put your name on it, if you don't want to put your name, you can. But we're going to, we're going to be fixing something in our lobby. We're going to have all these cards of faith over fear. Because for us to move forward in this new year with power, we need to recognize what God's taught us and how we've exercised faith in the old year. Again, you've not been perfect, not looking for perfection. But right on your card right now, how's your faith overcoming your fear? How's God growing you? You got three minutes to do that right now and text it to this number. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for doing that. I, I, I really am excited about seeing what we get in because... Um, I do want this to be a Kairos moment for us as a church. And, and I know that we can just fly into this new year and forget the good things about last year. And there have been a lot of good things. God's been teaching us a lot of things. So I'm going to get to, after our story today, our, our time of communion. Because I, I think this time of communion is a really awesome time for us to exercise faith over fear. And, and here's how you do it. Focus on the character of God, not on your circumstances. You see, if the disciples had known and clearly understood who they were with from the beginning, they would not have had so much fear. Not until it dawns on them that this, man, this is, this is God. Are they able to get to the other side? So, as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection during communion, it's such a special time. What does it tell you about the character of God? Because for you to have faith, which means for you to trust God, the big question is, do you trust him? <laughs> do you think he's literally asleep on you and not caring? Or do you know enough about him to go, you know, even when I don't see things very correctly right now, I know who he is. And there's no time that reveals that more than as we think about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I am think about um, Jesus and um, think about the pain he went through. Um, he understands what we're going through. He understands rejection. He understands loneliness. He understands physical, emotional, spiritual pain. His character understands us. That's why he came to this earth. You know, he came as a baby. He grew to be an adult. We've been celebrating that through Christmas. 
so that he might come to us in our time of need. Think about the mercy he shows at the cross to the people who crucified him. Think about on the cross, the love that we see. And the Bible defines for us who God is. God is love. But the proof is at the cross. What other reason did he have to go through that horrendous separation and death besides he loved us and wanted to be close to us? And then when we throw in the empty tomb and the resurrection, wow. Now he loves us. Now he cares. Now he forgiving. But he is powerful. He is bigger than any problem that you have. And he does care. His timing may be different. You may feel like he's asleep at times, but he cares. So at this point, I want you to think about God's character. And I want you to also think about the tough circumstances you're going through. One of the most foolish prayers I've ever heard pray in church, I probably prayed it in fact, Lord, as we take of communion, help us to leave all our worldly cares and concerns behind us. No. He wants you to bring him to this table. He wants you to bring those circumstances, but allow his character, his love, his power, his grace to speak into your circumstances and to give you the trust that he's not abandoning you. So I'm challenging you to focus on a truth about God that you will choose to believe despite your circumstances. What is it about him that allows you to go, you know, I don't see things very well right now. And what I see around me is not good. But oh my goodness, (laughs) I've met God. And I know what he's like. And I know what he'll do in the long run. Let's pray together before we take a communion. God, thank you for giving us this story of a test. And Lord, we know a test is about letting us know where we are and preparing us for the future. And God, you've been putting us through a test. And I pray right now as We look back over this past year that, God, we know where we are. We know some of our strengths and some of our weaknesses. But more than that, we know who you are. You've revealed yourself in the middle of tough times. And we are ready to walk into a new beginning, a new adventure. So, Lord, as we go back to the cross and we think about you giving your son on that cross, allowing him to go into that grave and resurrect from the dead, Help us to see with great clarity who you are. So even when the storm blinds us, we know that you're not abandoning us, but that you're going to take care of us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.